You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Welcome to the Inside China podcast. My name's Alkira Reinfrank. Normally, you'd find me presenting videos for the South China Morning Post, but today I'm helping out with a special edition podcast, following up on the flooding in Henan Province in central China. Last week, you heard first-hand accounts of what it was like for passengers trapped in a subway train in the city of Zhengzhou as floodwaters rose up to their chests. Today, you're going to hear from one of our reporters who's been travelling to other flood-affected areas in and around the region. And you'll also hear from someone who's been on this podcast a couple of times over the past few weeks about how people are adapting social media and technology as sources for emergency help and disaster assistance. And while the recovery efforts in Henan Province continue, another typhoon has crossed the coast, just over 900 kilometers away to the southeast near Shanghai. There's still torrential winds and heavy rains hitting the region, and Shanghai is said to have received almost its entire average rainfall for July in just a couple of days. But that's nothing compared to the downpour that the 10 million residents of Zhengzhou received a week ago. So let me start with the epic journey undertaken by my colleague Amber Wang and our video team to get from Beijing to Zhengzhou over the weekend. They had the full planes, trains and automobiles experience. The train they were travelling on was stopped and then the service was cancelled due to floodwaters, forcing them to switch to a car, which they drove hundreds of kilometres from the north through some of the other cities affected by the floods in the region, starting with Xinjiang, which is on the north side of the Yellow River. Amber, can you remind people where Xinjiang is? Okay, Xinjiang is in the north side of uh, the capital of uh, Henan province, Zhengzhou. And uh, when we arrived in uh, we, when we arrived Xinjiang by uh, Thursday, we can see the farmlands and factories and villages have been totally submerged by the heavy flood. We can only see the top of the cars. And when we reached the villages, we saw a man carrying his baby in his arms that walking out of the village and the water has already reached his chest. So I think um, it is just a tragedy to say these people that they are really helpless and they can only, um, the, the, nobody just to, uh, came to help them and they have to rescue themselves by swimming out of their villages. Now, Xinjiang is home to over 5 million people and just like Zhengzhou, is a major intersection point for railway lines that connect mainland China. But after spending a day there speaking with people affected by the floods, she headed south towards Zhengzhou and this is what she found. We arrived at Gong uh, Yitang in uh, Zhengzhou on Saturday and uh, Gongyi is one of the worst affected areas of the province and when we reached the town it was covered in a thick layer of salt with heaps of rubbish washed by the floods piled against the entrances of shops and uh, we saw 
rescue workers were busy repairing telecommunication facilities and re- removing the silt with forklifts. It's just over a week now since Zhengzhou received a year's worth of rain in just a couple of days. This is what she's seeing as the recovery effort continues. Uh, the power and water supplies in part of the city of Zhengzhou have been restored, but uh, it still takes days to fully recover. And um, the restaurant shopping malls have reopened, and the traffic in the city is also going back to its normal. We can we can even see traffic jams here. But uh, the problem is, in some areas of uh, Zhengzhou, houses are in danger of collapsing because of the ha- the heavy rain, and we can see them. Um, there are some land collapse in the city. In this afternoon, we are going to check this. Of the many videos from Chinese social media being posted on Twitter and Facebook, one of the most chilling has shown a long line of cars stopped in a traffic tunnel in Zhongzhou, and one video that shows what looks like floodwaters rushing into the tunnel. We went to the tunnel on Friday night, and when we reached there, there were some workers uh, pumping water out of the tunnel, and we can see some vehicles that have been removed uh, from the water and nobody just uh, tipped car away. And uh, Chinese media have reported that um, four bodies have been recovered from the tunnel and um, the rescuers were still pumping water out on Saturday. I remember that when I reached the uh, tunnel yesterday, I saw a man was sitting by the tunnel and I asked him, what are you doing here? He pointed at a car and said to me, this is my car. And that car has been uh, removed from the tunnel that morning. And he said he is waiting for a company to drag the car away. And he looks very calm. I think like most of the people here in Zhengzhou, I don't see people very anxiety or in panic. I mean, yes, for those people who have lost their families, the very, it's tragedy for them. But uh, most of the people in Zhengzhou, the people I, I saw on the roads, the people I talked to, I think they, most of them are very stable now. It's estimated there were 200 cars stuck in the tunnel that night. From what we know, most people escaped, although there is still much speculation over how many people have died. One of the big concerns being raised in news reports over the past week has been about some of the dams and reservoirs in and around Zhengzhou. This is what Amber found when she went to investigate. We went to the reservoir this morning um, named Tangzhuang Reservoir. And the head of the reservoir told us that um, this is the only reservoir in China that is so close to the center of the city. So on Tuesday morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, the saw the waters have reached very high, and they have alerted the social, the local officials, to send notice, um, to allow them to discharge the waters. And uh, by 11 a.m., they discharged the water slowly into the city. But uh, he said it is not possible that the reservoir will collapse. It is very stable, he said, and they are using very advanced technology. So basically, he said, uh, the reservoir is, is doing well now and there is no danger to worry about the collapse of the reservoir. 
This was next on her long list of stories to follow up on when we spoke to her last. I'm in a hotel room in Zhengzhou and I'm heading to check the a hotel near the Zhengzhou station because there are reports saying that it, the hotel has closed because it has the danger of the collapse. So we, we are going to check that. And you can, of course, read more of Amber's reporting and watch the videos being shot by our video producer, Tom Wang, at scmp.com. Tracy Chu is a reporter with the tech desk here at the SCMP and has been something of a regular guest on the Inside China podcast these past few weeks. Hey, Tracy. Hello. One of the interesting stories to come out of this natural disaster, along with the stories of courage and survival, is how everyday citizens are adapting technology to help others. So in the West and in places like here in Hong Kong, we'll use Google Docs. But can you tell me a bit about how uh, a digital spreadsheet went viral uh, over the past week? Yes. So there is actually a Tencent doc, which basically works like a Google doc, but Google doc is blocked in China. So people are using Tencent doc more. It is created by Tencent Holdings, the social media giant. And the spreadsheet on the platform created by a user named Mental on last Tuesday night. So this spreadsheet started just simply as a simple contact list. And then more volunteers contributed. And by the following day, it went viral and becoming the destination for crowdsourced information about people who need help and where they can seek it. For example, there are guidelines for pregnant women who where to give birth and also locations where people can charge their smartphones where to get psychological consulting after they are saved by the rescue workers. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it's, it's super interesting and so helpful in these times. Can I ask, you know, it's a live document, right? So this, this is still being updated as we speak. Yes, it has been edited for more than 20,000 times just as of, as of last Wednesday night. And it has become the most viewed Tencent doc ever because a lot of people are using it to post information and update information. Like if there is uh, people who have been saved, then they will uh, keep a note on that, that this person has been saved so you guys can help to others. Uh, it also has a tab in English for those who do not speak Chinese. The English tab sounds really interesting, actually. But, you know, looking at this, how this has all taken off, have you ever seen something like this happen before, especially in a natural disaster? I don't think I have seen this happen before. I mean, we're using Google Doc or Tencent Doc for work every day. I believe there are a lot of internet companies that are using these kind of tools. But I think this is the first time that people are using it in a natural disaster in a such a widespread way. Tracy, you were on this podcast just two weeks ago explaining how big the short video industry is in China. Just a quick recap for those who missed it. The Chinese version of TikTok is called Douyin. Uh, and you reported on a really interesting development for how that was used. Yes. So during this uh, natural disaster, Douyin as well as Kuaishou, these kind of short video platforms in China, they are offering help channels for users. So basically, users can submit information such as names, contact information, location, and the type of help they used. They can also upload videos and photos to show their situation as well. Let me just recap. Are you saying that 
people can actually go onto this short video app, fill in details about what help they need, and then get it sent off to the authorities all within an app that's about videos? Yes. So basically, actually, I have my phone with me, so I can show you now. So if you search Zhengzhou in Douyin, and there is an Ask for Help tab, and if you type it, uh, there will be a form where you can submit your name, your contact information, and also what kind of help you need, like such as rescue or you are finding your missing friends or missing family members. And also you can say like if you need medical help or resources, because like many people were struggling to find waters or electricity at that time. You also need to submit your location, and if you have any videos or photos, you can upload it. Helps them to understand your situation. I find it so interesting because I guess in the West, if this happened, you know, you would call your local emergency services, or I'm sure you know you could send off a message online somewhere. But the fact that you're going into a video app to try and get help is just is so different. Um, but I guess if everyone has it on their phones, it seems quite smart that a company would be doing something like this. Yeah, I mean, like Douyin has six hundred million of daily active users in China, and Kuaishou has about like three hundred million. So basically, basic together, there are nine hundred million daily active users on the app. So of course, like probably during the emergency, you might open the app and see what kind of help you can find. So platforms like Douyin and Kuaishou are famous for funny dances, crazy stunts, and lip syncing. But now they're all about emergency resources. Can you tell me a little bit about the other tech companies and what they're doing? I know you've been reporting on them quite a bit lately. Yeah, basically, I think all the tech joints they're getting involved. They're rushing to show that they're good tech companies who fulfill their society responsibilities. So companies such as ByteDance, Tencent, Pinduoduo, Meituan, Alibaba, and even Didi, which is under a cybersecurity review, all of them have given at least 100 million yuan to assist people in Henan. And of course, we have to mention that Alibaba is the parent company of the South China Morning Post. But Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting to see how big tech is getting involved in in the crisis that is unfolding in, in central China. Thank you so much. That's all for this special edition of Inside China. Thanks to everyone who shared last week's episode and contacted us wanting to hear more about the floods and what's been happening in Hunan province. Everything about how the floods are affecting China's, and therefore the world's, supply chains, the impact of the production of the new iPhone, and of course the developing typhoon Infa crossing the coast off Shanghai is being updated 24 hours a day at scmp.com. And as for me, I'm back to my day job, or should they say night job for now. Each night during the Olympics, we're crossing to Tokyo on the SCMP's YouTube channel. Today, it's all been about Hong Kong's successes in Tokyo with great performances from all our athletes. You can hear all about it from the SCMP sport team. My name's Alkira Reinfrank. Thanks for listening. And as your usual Inside China presenters say, keep that mask on, get that vaccination, stay safe, and bye for now.